Dr. Luck. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Dr. Homebrew. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Dr. Homebrew. I'm excited for today's show because we have longtime friend Barry from Lucky Envelope Brewing up in Seattle, Washington, as uh, mm. Tasty used to say. Barry, welcome, dude. Welcome to the show. This is your first time being on our show. You've been on the session a couple times, I think, right? Uh, just once on the session. But, once on the session. Uh, yeah, yeah, super stoked to be on, on Dr. Homebrew. Yeah, man, Barry, uh, Barry's a good dude. If you guys, you know, I've always said if you're in Seattle, go over, uh, go over to Ruben's Brews first um, and get a couple good beers and then go, you know, if you have time, just drive by Lucky Envelope and just wave. Don't, you don't have to go in (laughs) waving, just wait, just run, pop in, tell Barry we said hi and then leave. And then go back to Ruben's Bruce. That's what I always said. Leave the car said. running. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, Barry's making some some very, very good beer over the past few years. Um, and he's gracious enough to send me some. And so I'm like, you know what? We need to get Barry on the show. Because Barry, number one, listens to the show, which is very weird and uh, 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 distressing for, for most people probably in his life. <laughs> But uh, I wanted to see what uh, what he can what knowledge he can impart on us, and he said, "Well, here I actually have beers for you to to take and to drink and to give me feedback on." And uh, specifically, this is a a uh, collab beer you did, Barry, right, with a couple friends of the show. Who's this beer with? This is a beer uh, that we brewed with uh, Dave Marlioff from New Spring. Oh, I should I should correct it and say New Springs because uh, no, uh, he hates <laughs> it when I call it New Springs. And um, well, that's all I'm going to do from now on. Then, oh, Thank I know. You. It's the, Thank you for giving me that. Thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, and Warren Billups. Um, there we go, know, Beardy. Oh, yeah, Warren. At uh, yeah, Angora. So that's his uh, brewery distillery that's uh, in progress. Oh, uh, is, I know. didn't even know it had a name. Yeah, so that's the one. On, that's the one on the side of the can, and um, that was the that was the fun one that we wanted. That I thought would be a, a pretty cool uh, discussion because uh, everybody talks about competitions being, you know, just as much a packaging competition as a beer competition, and um, we had it in the tank. And we just canned it off on, you know, right, right around the time that uh, that JP sent me the email. So I figured I could bottle some the way that we send beers off to competitions, and then I can also just give a can to uh, to sample. Yeah, I think it'd be great. So it's, we have a, it's side a great by idea. Side. That's really that's, geeky. I like it. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to get these data points, and then um, so I'm glad that uh, everybody volunteer to be uh, test specimens. I got to say, Barry, I don't know. Maybe it's the uh, the 480p camera you have, but you look younger, man. You look oh. good. It's good to see you. <laughs> it's just, it's already it's already like 30 minutes past my bedtime. So. Filter. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? It's, it's the yeah. smoothing filter. I need to go get a second glass if we're going to yeah. do side by side. Yeah, I'll, Barry's I'll right 26. Now. He's been brewing yeah. since he was 12. Yep. And, uh, you know, he just knows everything about it. Yeah, I'm excited about it, man. I think I think this would be cool. And this is called Swiss Army Beer, and it's an Alpine Red Lager. Yeah. What is, what's an Alpine Red Lager? Uh, I don't know. No. Okay. Um, yeah, we were, I was just discussing it uh, with Brian Cooper. And, um, you know, we were, it's, this is a fun beer. Okay. Uh, that's a fun beer that uh, we, we came up with a recipe, and then we were trying to figure out uh, some fun ways to make it uh interesting for people and um we what we ended up uh the recipe we decided on was um you know it was like a red lager that we brewed with um a lager yeast from uh the Herlin brewery um in um in switzerland so okay uh, so with that we're like we're just trying to think of some really some interesting names and uh that's where the alpine red lager uh came into play just 
because of the uh, Swiss Alps. And sure. um, that's uh, that's kind of where that whole thing came from. And then the logo design is very reminiscent of, you know, um, the the Swiss flag and uh, and all that. So it was just, a, you know, it was an excuse for the three of us to finally brew together because we've been talking about it for, you know, five, six years. Yeah. And uh, it finally came together and. Dave, uh, Dave had some free time because he was preoccupied with some some things for some reason. I don't know why. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah and, big fat lawsuit. And, now he's a mo- yeah. half a millionaire. You know, yeah, I mean, exactly. if he ever gets it paid out. And uh, <laughs> and then Warren was able to uh, to get some time out with uh, you know with his with his kid and uh, being yeah. able to balance that life out. So it just came together, and we wanted to brew a beer, and we just we were just looking for any excuse. And uh, the Swiss Army beer Alpine Red Lager was was what. Was born. Yeah, well, I snuck a quick uh, sip. It's very good. It's oh, very toasty. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I've always loved red ales, man. I wish they would make a comeback. And I think part of the problem is no one knew really how to brew them. So you mm-hmm. get a lot of red ales that are just super caramely. Yep. A lot of crystal malts, and it just sort of fucking killed it. It was just bad. But uh, yep. you get a nice, decently brewed red lager, or red red ale in general. Mm-hmm. So good. I love it. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so we're doing, so we have a hand-bottled version, and we have the canned version. Yep. I'm so going to step be... out and get my bottle opener because Do I it. forgot to bring it over. Oh, my and, God. You know, per, per our communications yesterday, I did a score sheet for the bottled one uh, with uh, noting some differences between what, what I may have perceived between it, the canned version. Uh, and I think Cooper may have done a score sheet also, uh, or at least to have some notes about that. Cool. Well, Shar, uh, why don't you start off then? Begin, right. ben, basically, just to clarify, Bear, you want to know a bunch of stuff, but mainly if if there's a difference. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, right. so what I what I did, Barry, is I did a, a score sheet uh, uh, for the the bottled version and noted any differences that I I could tell between that and the canned version uh, that were were perceptible. So mm-hmm. I went through is in category thirty four C. This is you know sort of a, a brand new specialty, you know, experimental beer, which uh, I I appreciate the. Uh, Bottle inspection, bottle was great size. Fill level was good. There was a hiss when I opened it up, so the bottling went well. Uh, aroma, it's got a medium to medium high malty aroma. Uh, it has, to me, a, a medium leathery note in a good way, in a way that you know a really good Syrah has kind of a leathery character to it. Uh, it's not like you know, hmm. a brand new out of the store, oh, it smells funky type of thing, but more like you think of a maybe a, a, a comfortable uh, leather chair that you've set on for a while not like the aroma that might get from you but the fact that it kind of gets it gets softer and more you know more comfortable there's sort of an aroma to that that when i learned about wine i was told that's sort of a leathery character you know some some red wines get uh it, it's re- related to the toasty that jp was talking about you know i don't know that i would call it roasty or or toasty but it's maybe in that family if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Uh, but it's a very unique uh, aroma, which I really like. The bottled version to me maybe has slightly less aroma overall than the canned version. And by less, it's probably in the 10% range, uh, which I thought was interesting. Probably because the can, once you seal it, that thing is hermetically sealed. Nothing's getting in or out. Uh, that that may be the reason. I don't know. But there was no, I couldn't detect any difference in in character of the aroma between the bottled and the the canned one. So I, I give the aroma 9 out of 12. Uh, appearance, 3 out of 3. It's uh, dark amber, light brown uh, color. It might even be in the medium brown territory, but it's the color is where I would, what I would think of for a red lager. Uh, orange highlights, crystal clear. Uh, the head is low and persistent. 
Uh, and frankly, I thought that the head was similar. But right when I poured them both, and I poured them both at the same time, the bottled uh, sample had a little more persistence and a little more head than the canned one. Yeah, which same was thing. that's what. Uh, yeah, you can see which yeah, one's the bottled one. And <laughs> that's interesting. And I, you know, I have no idea, you know, from a scientific or engineering standpoint, why that would happen. I just find that fascinating. So. Agreed. You know, Coop may have some better perspective on that than, than I do, but uh, flavor-wise, uh, this beer tastes amazing. Flavor starts with a, a medium uh, medium malt with that kind of toasty, leathery uh, malt character that's just so, so wonderful. Bitterness comes up in mid-palate to balance, but you know, bitterness is not super high, but it's you know, it doesn't overwhelm the malt, but I, th- I think it's right there where it needs to be. Uh, it's well attenuated. The finish is long and balanced. The impression that I had when I poured these of the bottled one had a little bit more bitterness in the finish. And kind of coming back to this, let's see what I think. Uh, well, nothing like live guy drinking beer live on air. <laughs> Great audio. But uh, <laughs> it really is. Hey, man, we've actually, been doing, they've been doing it that way for 10 fucking years. I can't get them to stop. So <laughs> at this point, you just embrace it. Yeah, it's, I will embrace the, the <laughs> drinking beer. Of just you know, four guys drinking beer on air. Yeah, uh, man, who cares? No, and as as they warm up some, I think that the difference in bitterness is not really there. I it, it, again, it, it wasn't a giant difference. It was in you know, 10, 15 percent in the finish, maybe. But as they warm up, I'm not really tasting much of a difference with that. Uh, flavors, again, that 16 out of 20. Uh, mouthfeel, five out of five. Body's medium. Carbonation's medium. There's a slight warming that may have come from the fact this is the, the third sample that I had uh, in judging tonight. So sometimes that that happens. Uh, it's uh, neither creamy nor astringent, but it, it's it's perky. This card tastes great. <laughs> Five out of twelve. I'm gonna drink, eat some more of this paper. Um, the bottled <laughs> version has uh, maybe a little bit more body in my perception, uh, and maybe slightly smaller bubbles, but. Again, we're talking, these are very minor differences, uh, but I, I did find that interesting that to me, and that's was con- it's consistent even as it warms in my perception, the bottle, bottle one has slightly more body, five out of five, overall impression, nine out of 10, for a total of 42. I really like this beer a lot. It's, it's creative and new and really different. Uh, and, you know, I appreciate you guys sharing this beer. I really like it. I, I don't really know how you'd uh, make this better. I mean, to note, you might want to mash with some of Warren's beard hair, uh, kind of like Tasty and the dog hair. But I don't know, the FDA or TTB or somebody might not be terribly keen on on beard hair in the mash. But in, there, there are some subtle differences between the canned, uh, the, the canned sample, the, the sample that I poured from the can, the sample that I poured from the bottle. But I don't think they were extensive. And the biggest one, like you were showing the the camera a minute ago, was the head. Mm. The head is probably the biggest difference. And frankly, from the standpoint of sending that to GABF, you're probably always better off with more head than less head. So to the extent there's a difference, it's probably working in your favor. Mm-hmm. Which was which, Barry, in those glasses? Sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, the one on the right side of the screen yeah. is the, yeah, this one. Um, this one is the one poured from a bottle. Interesting. And then this one's okay. poured from the can. So wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't that, know if it's something in the can liner that might be yeah. uh, affecting the head retention. I, but I have this, heard that theory before. Interesting. Because yeah. yeah. this this beer has plenty of uh, crystal malt, like not plenty, but it has a decent amount of crystal malt in there, or whatever, yeah. a couple percent, which definitely helps that that head retention go. But I that maybe that's that's one of the <laughs> things I've always noticed from the cans is that the the head like it just it fades pretty quick. Hmm. But um, interesting. Yeah. One of the notes I was curious about, especially with um, with uh, this red lager is 
did you pick up on any oxidation? Oh, I mean, I haven't let uh, Brian Cooper speak, so I, I can, uh, yeah. okay. I can, I, I can just shut up right now because no, that's I don't want to. <laughs> I'm not. Um, I'm just going to comment generally. I agree with a lot of what uh, Brian said, and I think that um, you know, as far as amber loggers go, you know, there's in the in the style guidelines, there's international amber logger and there's Czech amber logger. I would say this plays a lot more like the the Czech version, which to me is more characterful and and a richer beer, hmm. uh, as opposed to the light or the the amber, you know, international amber lager, which can be adjunct laid and mass produced beer. I mean, the, the Czech ones are, you know, pretty big. They don't get distributed as far as some of the, the yeah. amber loggers, but, you know, dose Equis or whatever. But, um, you know, this is a really uh, uh, enjoyable beer. And um, I like the way it's playing. It's, it's, it's got, it's not too sweet. It's nice and dry, but it also has some, you know, some caramelly and, you know, I would say maybe some dark Munich or, you know, not, not even edging on roast, but like um, a, a nice richness to it that, that makes it a real nice zipper, you know, in this time of year in the colder months to, to sip something that has a little body and heft to it, but it's not, you know, 10% alcohol. <laughs> um, the two, between the two samples, they both taste and smell really, really similar. Um, the head difference is noted. Um, I think that the bottled version might be just slightly more carbonated because it is a little spritzier and it's a little more um, not biting, but it has a little sharp, slightly sharper presentation. Whereas the canned version, it comes across just a touch sweeter, but it's just a minor difference in, in the, either the carbonation or the way that the head is uh, being retained. But the, the the two taste really, really similar. There's there's no oxidation, nothing, nothing odd uh, in either of these. Mm-hmm. That's great. But yeah, hear. I like the, I like the, yeah, I would agree with that. And it, yeah, the, the flavor, the, 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 the malt flavors come through nicely, but there's also a nice, um, hop flavor here too. It's got like a floral and, and little spicy, um, hop presentation. Um, yeah, just re- really works well. Um, cool. I would agree with the score that Brian gave it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't have too much more to add. What do you think, JP? You think of 42? Yeah. 42, 43. Okay. Good. All right. Really good. Well, I, I will take that. That's, Kind of awesome. I um, what do I think? You know, I you, you guys both sort of commented that the canned version is a little more carbonated. No, no, the bottle version is a little more carbonated than the canned version. Yeah, I find the opposite. Yeah, hmm. so maybe that's due to just a little bit of tiny bit of bottle variation. Um, the 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 bottled version seems a little smoother to me. I was just trying to split hairs. It's really hard to you know tell much difference. That's what he wants. That's what we're here for, right? So I don't, I don't mind that. I don't, I don't, I don't fault you for, for being you, you know, and being what your <laughs> mouth is trained to. I don't know whatever. Now, see, now the beer's kicking in, so now I'm being inappropriate. Now, um, now, now you're just, now it's just getting weird in here. Yeah, the canned version to me is a little bit more. I think Cooper, you said you called it in the last show the attack. The attack is a little bit more, you know, um, forceful. There's a little more bitterness to it. There's a little more oomph to it. There's a little more pop. Um, but I think I prefer the bottle version. It is a little smoother. There's no oxidation. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you the difference between the two. There, there's no. I don't. I don't detect a flaw. So whatever Barry, uh, whatever Barry's mass uh, amount of assistance have been doing um, to do this while he's been on his yacht and on vacation, um, <laughs> they've been doing a good job. Yeah. Because I, I don't. I don't detect anything weird or funky. But there is a slight variation compared. You know, uh, comparatively, and I think I like the bottle version a little bit. It's a little more. A little more rounder. You know. I think. Uh, the canned version, maybe the the uh, the bitterness just comes mm. off a little bit more than the than the bottled. But excuse me, 
And Barry, talk to us a little bit about this beer. Are we answering your questions, first of all? Yeah, no, all this right. is good to hear because um, what I was going to allude to earlier was uh, there was talk about the uh, like kind of the red ales and uh, there's there's not a lot of really great examples that you can get from around the country or and and these like just because of um age that shows up so easily in these beers and um you know as a brewery that packages our beer like oxidation um do is you know our like what i'm trying to avoid at all costs and you know when we're when we're packaging our our beers you know the cans go they're all open atmosphere canning so they do have a couple seconds where they are a, a, a exposed to the air. I mean, obviously you have a foam cap on it before the lid goes on, things like that. So um, we do de- we do definitely get uh, some pickup there. But uh, when we bottle it, these like I bottled it the exact same way. I I do it for competitions using a, a beer gun and going through all sorts of uh, all sorts of hoops to make sure that uh, we're trying to reduce as much uh, oxygen in the package. As far as e- even going as far as like I will like. You know, I'll dip the bottles in sanitizer, rinse it out, but I will rinse it with some beer because uh, in that sanitizer, you still have eight ppm of oxygen in those couple drops, which can add up. So um, oh. I was just trying to see if you, like, there might be a difference in in the perception. But um, with those with those red ales, uh, red beers in general, I think those, you know, when they get oxidized, that caramelly sweetness can get overboard and it, it can even get yeah. kind of that metallic penny character mm-hmm. which is just not pleasant but you know when they're when they're done well or when you can get them fresh i really enjoy them and yeah. um that's so that's like kind of the things that i'm i'm always going through in my head and where am i splitting hairs that are, are worthwhile and where am i where are we doing things that like just might be excessive that you don't get much benefit out of but um no i'm, I'm glad to hear that because you know i don't know it's probably spent a day and a half kind of ambient temperature probably in the 50s and uh, when we send our beers off to competition especially for like gabf they they sit in those coolers which my understanding is that they're not the they're not the they're not like sitting there at 35 40 degrees they're sitting at 50 ish <laughs> degrees which yeah. for for several weeks and that's uh i think that's where a lot of the the damage is done but then in those competitions and where i see them like the oxidation doesn't necessarily come off as um it doesn't come off as papery or you don't get you don't you might not even get that that change in color, but you'll just get that amplified sweetness in there, mm-hmm. and the beers can taste kind of flabby. So that's you know in my head that's kind of where I'm going. Like was like if any characters of the muddiness came through, like especially in the canned beer, that's kind of where I was expecting it to come from. Mm-hmm. But if they're you know if they're presenting pretty similar, that's uh, that's very encouraging to hear. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think you know, in that regard it is, but I, you know, I wonder if would would uh, oxidation or or oxygen presence because I don't even want to call it oxidation, I guess at this point because I, I don't really it's not a flaw, but um, would that account for at least what I'm perceiving the difference between the can and the bottle uh, in in the hop and the hop uh, flavor? For me, the can is a little bit more bitter, a little more aggressive um, than the bottle. Is that reason because? Maybe some oxygen got in the bottle and, you know, kind of, you know, did its magic and just happened to, to work out. Or what do you think? Is that directed to me or is that directed to I don't know, to man. Anybody. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whoever yeah, wants I, to talk. I, w- I would kind of lean to it actually, like, if you get that oxidation, it kind of muddies it up. So you might not be able to taste it as much. Uh, I mean, I, I see that in as much in uh, in IPAs. I mean, that's amplified significantly. But um, mm. yeah, when you get the ones that are slightly oxidized, you just get a little bit of that. Like it almost like even if the IPA doesn't have any crystal malt in it, you can kind of it almost tastes like there's crystal. But then that hop character mm. just gets muddied and it's not as intense. Mm. 
you know, I think that that makes sense to me because one of the ways that oxidation can come through is sort of a honey character. And that tends to be extreme oxidation. That's not something that you're hopefully going to see, uh, you know, between your brewery and the time someone buys that and takes it home. But there's an inner, right, there's, there's a spectrum from no oxidation to, you know, you're, you're eating a six pack carrier of cardboard or from no oxidation to you're, you're, you're drinking a thing of honey. There's a, a spectrum in there and sweetness is in that spectrum, right? I mean, honey has kind of a sweet perception. And if you're going to be, let's say it, it sits out someplace warm for a year and you, you're going to drink it, that's going to be you know, cloying honey, just nasty. That stuff has to, that doesn't all come at the end of a year. That, that takes place you know, a day at a time while it's sitting somewhere warm. So you break that down to, okay, it'll be, it'll be half that honey-like or a quarter or a tenth. And, and somewhere you're in the start of that process, and it's going to be sweet rather than just that, that honey, that clear honey oxidation character. Does that make sense at all? Mm-hmm. So I, 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 think, I think you're on the right track with that. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, but I don't get, to the extent I get any sweetness off of either of these beers, it's not sweetness that I would consider you know, either oxidation or under attenuation. It's just malt sweetness. Well, I think too, um, oxidation of the 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 melanoidins, the Maillard byproducts in a darker, you know, a richer, maltier beer can express as a sherry-like character. It's not going to go yeah. straight to sherry, but a little right. bit of a sherry-like aspect in the beer that, that might be what's giving it that slightly sweeter honey-like impression or a little just a little off and then it twists you know i know what you're talking about exactly we talk about that the penny like it's not like a metallic necessarily but it's like a biting like the malt goes from being just pleasant and and smooth and rounded to just being like harsh and and gritty and biting and and just a little gnarly so yeah i don't know it's it can go a lot of different directions but i'm not i'm not getting any negative oxidation in either of these samples it's just clean beer Cool. Yeah. I mean, the recipe was actually one of the more complex beers that we did. And um, yeah, can I think, we get uh, that? Yeah. I mean, it yeah. was uh, it's like uh, about 30% uh, Pilsner malt. And we actually split it between uh, Barca, Vireman Barca Pilsner and Vireman Regular Pilsner. Huh. And then um, about 10%. These aren't going to add up to 100 because I, I don't have actual percentages in front of me, but <laughs> about 10% Munich one. Actually, 20% Munich one, Vireman Munich one, mm-hmm. um, another 30% uh, Vireman uh, Vienna malt, uh, about two and a half percent Vireman Kara Red. So that's the that's the crystal malt that we have in there. It's about, mm-hmm. it's like what, a 35 Lava Bond crystal. Mm-hmm. Um, and German then, crystal. Yep, German crystal. Mm-hmm. And then 16 pounds, so about a percent, maybe just over a percent of Vireman Carafa Special 2, which is the Dehusk. Mm-hmm. Um, roasted malt. From I wonder nice. if there might be a little, a little like just to give the color, get that, yes. that, mm-hmm. dust, that yep. you, and that was, uh, and then, yep. So we threw that in. Um, it's more than we usually throw in, but then also, uh, Warren being Warren had a fun idea of making us do extra work, and you know we, we pre ground <laughs> it and then we threw it in on top of the. Uh, it was so it was just a, it was just a mash, uh, late mash Vorloff. Uh, right. You don't want to add addition. it the whole the whole way through the mash, yep. just at the end, just to get that color and it pulls yep, through. Yep, just to get the color, and then I, um, like, I like that approach. Yeah, and then a like a percent one one and a half percent um, acidulated Vireman sour malt, just to just to get that pH down to that five point three level. I feel like I could tell Warren in that, like when you were t- reading out the malts and you said Vienna, I was like, that sounds like something Warren would contribute. I don't know why. <laughs> 
makes a good lager. He does, yeah, but I'm like, does. I don't know. Just it seems like oh, that I don't know. You know, sometimes you can kind of tell people who make shit, and you're like, oh, this sounds exactly like something that like this guy would do. Like Vienna Malt mm. sounds exactly like something Warren would be like. Well, I really think we should do that. <laughs> yeah, he was uh he was fighting for a little less Carafa. And then uh, Dave was fighting for more. So I just, we split the difference. <laughs> and then um, I think Warren was going for more crystal and then Warren wanted no crystal. So I split, a, I split a bag in half. So <laughs> there was, there was some compromise going in there. Um, That's the way collabs then, go, man. Yeah. And well, did Warren and Dave like start pushing each other and like, <laughs> no, no, you, no, you and have like a little slap fight or anything. I, mean, or, I would love that. Anything to have, anything to make, you know, incidental contact. Uh, cool. uh, so no, it was a great time. We uh, like, yeah, we oh, just sure. hung out and it was just, it was fun, but that were, sounds yeah. like a great time. And yeah. the band is still together. Like when you guys get together and drink this beer together, you all enjoy it. I hope because uh, we haven't is... had that opportunity yet. Oh but, man, um, I would like to. I know that, yeah. I, but it was really cool when we did the packaging because uh, Warren and his dad came out and they were they were helping to stack flats and all nice. that. So that was that was a lot of fun. That's cool. Yeah. What the, um, oh. what yeast did you use? Oh, you already um, said. Sorry. Yeah, yeast. We did. Uh, we used uh, Fermentus S one eighty nine. Okay. So that's the that's the Herleman yeast that they use there. And for us, we do uh, f- uh, 15 barrel batches. So uh, it comes in 500 gram bricks. So we did three three bricks that we rehydrated and um, and threw in. So um, and then you do um, rehydrate. Okay. Yep. I know some people don't, and there's there's a yep. I don't know if there's a debate anymore. I guess, but They're, just kind of like whatever yeah, whatever you want to do. For most of our beers, we don't rehydrate for like our ales, IPAs, and anything that's a little warmer. But I feel like for lagers, we get better performance from the mm. yeast if we do a you know we fill a, a keg with a, a brink with um with with water from our hot liquor tank and then we cool it down and then um and then we'll rehydrate in there and then just push it in the tank um after or in the middle of knockout but um yeah just there i don't think it's necessary but for us i think i found uh i i personally feel like i get better performance uh for lagers things that are fermented a little colder things that undergo a little bit more stress so like even if we ah Okay. And those chances yeah. that we have to do like a barley wine or like a high alcohol beer, we don't have fresh mm-hmm. yeast available. I will rehydrate that yeast too. Got to baby to, it a little bit for those journeys bit. that they're going to go through. Yep. <laughs> um, okay. That makes sense. And then, yeah. And then for like a 15, like the hops are pretty minimal, but um, for a yeah, 15 barrel batch, I mean, we did a first wort hop of a pound of Saphir and a pound of Hollertal middle fruit. Um, we just do that. We just did that for, uh, for shits and giggles. Uh, two and a half pounds of uh, magnum, which, uh, you know, that all equates to about, about 25, 20, 25 IBUs total. Mm-hmm. And that, actually, no, that's probably closer to 20 IBUs. And then we did uh, in five minutes at the, uh, before a uh, five minute boil, um, two pounds of Saphir and two pounds of middle fruit. So we kind of did treat it like a, a German Pilsner in terms of the hopping schedule um, mm-hmm. and uh, didn't go so too crazy. Balance. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it, it's almost like Vienna Lager esque. Yes. Yeah. Like a light Vienna Lager. Yeah. It's, it's in, I would, right. I would agree that it's in that family. It's in that yeah. range. Like it's, it's definitely, you know, 40% or something like that. Like you can kind yeah. of taste it. Go, oh, yeah. I guess, you know, yeah. 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 That's another amberish lager. That's true. That's why I like it so much. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. It's a cool it's beer, a rich, man. Rich, like, you know, rich maltiness and, you know, really good balance altogether. Um, I was curious too, because I know that, uh, uh, 
as it especially as it warms up but are you picking up any like of that any fruity esters or anything that might come from the yeast like um you know you can get some of that pear but like even that like that that red apple note mm. sometimes we get comments of those in our judging sheets but uh, but i've never used s189 uh before so um when you say red apple y- yes but I don't know if it's because you implanted it into my yeah, brain. I shouldn't with, have done that. That was bad. Uh, with um, bad tasting. <laughs> yeah, that's now all I get. Because it's funny because like I'm pouring it. And you go, yeah, do you get any esters like a uh, pear? I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And you go, a red apple. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what it is. It's not pear. So <laughs> I can't tell you. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. No, not very estery at all. There's no. Yeah. 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 That was water. kind of that's kind of my opinion of this yeast is it definitely uh, produce like ferments a good bit cleaner than 3470. Mm. Um, when when su- yeah. when subjected to similar fermentation conditions, yeah, I mean we ferment it the same way, you know, fifty two degrees for for day yeah. one until we see some activity, then we'll bump up to fifty three, and then yeah. it'll it'll do its thing. But um, and and red apple to me, I, I don't get any of that at all, and that to me also has a an astringent component to it. When someone mentions that, that it's not mm. just a flavor, that there's something that's maybe maybe astringent might be the wrong word, but there's a, a Maybe a, a slight bitterness or a slight astringency to a, sharp, a red apple, like yeah, a apple sharpness, skin. and that's that's definitely not present. And I I'm not getting, Mm-mm. you know, I I like like JP when you mentioned that I'm I'm straining to taste the red apple, uh, that red apple skin, but I I just I I tried not to talk myself into it. You can talk yourself into a lot of things when you hear it. Yeah. Yep. yeah. 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 Especially in college. Yeah. yeah. You, know, like if you said red apple and, and it's, it's less red apple skin, but sometimes, you know, the, the, the flesh of a red apple, you can be yeah. kind of mealy. Yeah. That's what I, that's like an aroma that I can sort of find. Or if I was going to go red apple, if I was going to agree, I would be like, yeah, but just the, the, the flesh of the apple it, itself. But you know, I, I, yeah. Had you not said it, I would have, I would be like, no, not really. God, I shouldn't have said anything. I'm so stupid. You're so dumb. God. Barry. Hang up. No. On, just, hey, uninstall. The it's game your first time Dr. Homebrew when you're talking about red apple skin. Oh, we just keep, keep JP because he's the host and he does all the editing yeah. for us. That's all I do, man. It really just, has no palate. Um, no. You can't account for taste. No, half the time I just have a taste wheel and I throw a dart at it. I go, fucking sulfur, bitch. I don't know. Yeah, this beer is really cool. It is, and like Char was saying, yeah. it is kind of creative and unique and, and a different a different in the space. How are your customers reacting to it? How's the pub, the general public feel about it? Um, I think they're liking it so far. Um, yeah, nice. I mean, it sounds like a dumb question, but like I'm always curious about like yeah. when 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 something else that when something comes out that's not a fucking pastry stout or an IPA. I yep. want to know how people feel about it, especially if something that <laughs> they don't really know what it is and you have to learn and search for what it like Alpine Red Lager. People are going to, I don't know what that is, no. but are people creative enough or, 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 um, you know, uh, I don't know, enough of an explorer in the beer to be like, yeah, let's try the new thing and let's see and we enjoy it. And it's not like anything we've ever had before. Yeah. I mean, I think they are. And uh, we, we do release uh, every year a, a Vienna lager that uh, that's received kind of really well by you do it's both good. our um, both our, our our customers, but also like critically too. That's so it's it's yeah. it's it's done well. So when they come in and they ask like what's the what's an Alpine Red Lager, and we can uh, we can say that it's pretty similar to our Vienna Lager, it's just kind of amped up a little bit. You know, there's a little more malt character, a little more crystal in there, and um, you know we use a different yeast which comes from. Uh, from Switzerland, so therefore we call it an Alpine Red Lager, and that that kind of that 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 answers their questions. And 
but that's enough. you know if 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 they need like a quick answer or they don't really, like they don't really care too much about beers we just say yeah it's a it's a red lager it's like it's it's a multi-red um red lager so it's it's drier and cleaner than a red yeah. ale, like than a red ale and i wouldn't discount people though because they're they're consumers are getting a lot more discerning and and you know understanding of different lager styles and totally. and uh you know there's a there's a thirst for it <laughs> there's you know for a good a well-crafted <laughs> lager and and something like this yeah you can yeah well, when we when we first opened in 2015 our number one question is what's what's a What's a hell's lager? And, <laughs> uh, 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 and Does it come that, from hell? I know. Yeah. Yes, no, it's, just, it's just German for light. Uh, but yeah. uh, we, now, we actually, now, it's now, a, now it's houses a are everywhere. With, this, with the satanic uh, church, and it's called hell lager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that a segue? Because we have some of your hellas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, we also have the Italian pills. Yeah, we're going to drink the Italian pills in the next segment. And I, I feel like the yeah. hellas is just for... Or funsies, uh, which uh, again I appreciate. Um, if we're done with with this, we're gonna take a break. What do you guys think? Think we're good. Great. All right. You, good idea. Rules. Yeah. We're gonna take a quick break. Yeah. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about judging. Uh, Barry has done all kinds of judging. We're gonna talk about some differences between commercial judging and homebrew judging. How we can sort of uh, I don't want to say game the system, but this is how you can cheat to win. If you want fifty point beers, stay tuned to the next segment. So hang on, everyone. It's Doctor Homebrew. We'll be right back. What's up, homebrewers? Hey, let me ask you a question. You spend a lot of time making your beer taste the way you want it to, right? Some of you even send beers into Dr. Homebrew for feedback. Well, the next logical step in your creativity is to craft some labels for those beers. And there's nobody better at creative labels than Grog Tag. Their easy-to-use designs let you turn out some pretty amazing stuff like labels, bottle caps, coasters, even six-pack carriers with minimal effort on your part. They have a range of label sizes that fit any vessel you can think of. Bottles, cans, growlers, kegs. GrogTag has you covered. Head over to grogtag.com today and check out their line of amazing, fully customizable templates and get your beer looking its best. GrogTags are water-resistant, reusable, and will have your naked bottles looking great in no time. That's grogtag.com and be sure to use code BNARMY at checkout to save 10% on your order. Now, back to the examination. All right, thanks for sticking around, everybody. We are back here with Barry from Lucky Envelope Brewing in Seattle. If you are uh, in the Seattle area, seek them out. Go to their brewery. Check it out. It's great beer, great space, uh, good brewer. You know what I mean? Uh, but Barry, you have been judging beers for uh, for a while now, and you sort of do the homebrew circuit and the and the commercial beer circuit. And so I want to talk a little bit to you about the differences between the, the judging and, and how judgings are, are necessarily even just run uh, between homebrewing and commercial. But more importantly, how uh, we were talking about the break is, is, is how you can really stand out in a commercial setting. We know how to do it as a homebrewer, uh, sort of. I mean, you, you kind of have an idea of how to do it. Like maybe you need to tweak it a little bit to be if you're doing a lager, maybe it needs to be, you know, a little bit more uh, bitter or, you know, whatever. Right. But as a commercial brewer, from what I hear, mainly from Sully, is that you're just you're you have like you have it seems like the the flights in commercial competitions are larger because the score sheets are a little mm-hmm. bit different. So as a judge, how do you how do you pace yourself? And then also mm-hmm. as a brewer on the other side of that, how do you how do you have confidence entering a, a competition going? I could be one of like 25. How do how do you stand yeah. out in something like that? Yeah, I mean, um, 
you you're you're totally correct i mean um like yeah so like my background was i i, I started out uh like i went through the bjcp uh training through uh with uh mark emily and peter twig they're master bjcp judges up in the, the pacific northwest and i learned so much from them and went through the 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 course that they that they held and um so that's kind of where my my basis for judging was and um you know when you go through a, a bjcp competition there's definitely an emphasis on like notes 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 writing writing fill fill that space get mm-hmm. the get all those comments in there and make sure like you know make sure you get what you taste but you have your progression of what you go through your you know your appearance your uh aroma because that's the most fleeting and then doing and then the flavor and all that stuff and then also revisiting your beers and you know, I think the biggest difference between um, the BJCB homebrew competitions and professional competitions as professional competitions, it's you're not necessarily trying to you're 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 describing what you're tasting. You're not trying to nest like give advice or like if you did this, then you might want to try this or like you know if yeah. you're getting oxidation, you might want to try to reduce pickup. It's just kind of this is what I taste, this is what I'm getting, and then like your overall comments, and then whether it moved on or not, and um. Like what you said, the uh, the competitions are like you you might have fifty hundred. If you go to GABF, you'll have two three hundred beers in a category. No, your yep. speed is definitely of the essence. You're okay. Gonna, is it like so, like like two judges per flight, and you're doing a hundred beers, or that seems impossible? No, like no, no. Um, you like they'll, they'll they'll they still subdivide it into rounds. But what I what kind of what what I've noticed is, you know, at, at like in most BJCP competitions I've done and it's it kind of grows a little bit when you get into NHC. But I think most rounds are limited to kind of like eight, eight beers in a flight. And, you know, if you have IPAs and you have 50 beers in that category, you'll have a couple rounds and then you can whittle it mm-hmm. down. Then you have the the mini best of show and um, and you move things on. But um, for for like the professional competitions, it's not uncommon to have like up to 12 beers in a flight. And when you have that, I mean, there's a significantly higher amount of luck that's involved and um, and just there's a lot of variance that can happen. And, um, you know, you, you'll see it in, at, at the competitions at all levels. But then there's sometimes you just have to, you know, if, if you start butting heads with a judge, not like in a bad way, but you just start disagreeing or whatever. A lot of times you can just have to find a happy medium. But, you know, of course, you always think that you're right, but it just depends <laughs> on like who's going to give and take. But. I would definitely be like, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Yep. I get that too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know, man. I'm kind of a pushover with stuff like that. I think what I've noticed though, is like, at least for me, which is encouraging is the, uh, I feel like the era of the table bully has, uh, has has kind of gone by the wayside. There is a lot more compromising. Yeah. I I totally agree with that. That's interesting. You say the table bully, because I do, it sort of brings me back to a lot of early competitions in like the late nineties, early two thousands, that there seemed to be that one person who knew everything. And then everybody (laughs) would make fun of that person behind their back because they were fucking annoying. (laughs) It's like, okay, yeah, here's this for all you got to judge with dude. Sorry, that sucks Mm. for you. (laughs) Um, but I'm glad to see that people, I, you know, and I wonder why that is. Maybe, maybe people just kind of like chilled out a little bit. Like it's not that serious, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, when you're going through that many beers and, you know, if you have seven, eight beers on a table and, you know, you're trying, you're, you're going to pass two or one, you know, if if there's like somebody that's, you know, really likes a beer and another person that really doesn't like that beer, is that beer going to do well in the next round or not versus 
Mm-hmm. You know, another yeah. beer that you both kind of like, and another one that one person really likes, another person likes a fair amount, or whatever. You just have to look at that. Like, okay, we kind of you know find the common ground, work together, don't die on the hill for something, but um, listen to the other person, and if they might have a valid point, oh yeah, okay, this this maybe does have a little diacetylene or whatever it might be. Uh, and some people have to know their blind spots and be be sensitive to. Okay, I don't have the greatest you know, a detection of, of diacetyl, but I can detect phenolics like crazy. So let's just go in knowing that and, and be reasonable and listen. <laughs> so sometimes it's, it's less about what that specific thing that you're arguing about, be it, you know, red apple or whatever. Right. Um, it just came to me. I don't know why. Right. And it, well, it's less the score sheets you get back on a commercial competition are like much brief, much more brief, right. just, you know, yeah, there's five no five words on the sheet. You're yeah. lucky, you know, right? <laughs> you're lucky, yeah. But it's it's less about that specific thing that you're arguing about and more about the overall sum of the parts. Where like it, like you're saying, is this beer going to do well? Even let's say I get my way, is it still going to even do well? And you have to like think about that a little bit more too. I've never really thought about that. Mm-hmm. Never thought about it that way. Yeah, and then um, there's definitely a lot more. I feel like there's a lot more referencing the style guidelines in terms of like very hard at some point because. At when you're doing those competitions, especially in the later rounds, like there are minuscule differences between the beers, and at some point, like you got to differentiate your beers. And I know that yeah. that happened. That happened for me um, when we didn't enter GABF this past year for other reasons. But um, I was doing a, like a second or third round of uh, of Hellas, and the 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 style guideline themselves, like they said, like body medium, and then you you look at it and you realize, wait. Hmm. If you look at international examples, especially the ones in Germany, uh, the body of those beers are not medium. They are medium light, mm-hmm. may, may, maybe medium. Um, but, you know, and that's where I like I, at one point I caught myself like falling on that. Like, no, the beers and the, the hell is that you get in Germany? They'll be medium light. They're not going to be medium bodied. And mm-hmm. but like, what's what are the style guidelines saying? Like, yeah. Ah, oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. But, but then, of course, like there's, they always offer the opportunities for feedback. So I did send feedback there. And I don't know if I was the only one, but I had a conversation with Chuck Skypeck there. And he's like, yeah, that's true. And they, they ended up changing the body description. I think medium, medium light to medium in terms yeah. of character for that. So like the, the, the style guidelines aren't perfect, but you have to judge the style guidelines. But I yeah, that, that's, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, activism works is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just voice like you, you know, your 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 opinions are valid, and if it, yeah. but if you don't let people know what your opinions are, then it's just it's just going to go die by the wayside. So um, if you you know if you have something constructive to say, then give your feedback, and if they have any questions, they'll come back. That's it's pretty simple, and mm-hmm. little 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 proactivity never hurt anybody. Yeah, absolutely. So when when you're deciding to enter a beer. When you're deciding to enter beer for competitions, are you brewing for the competition? Because I've heard some brewers talk about that on the session years ago where it's like, oh, this is we would normally make this pale ale, but we tweak it for competition because we know that it's just going to get lost somewhere. Do you do that? Or are you sort of like what's on the board, what's in the tank is what's going to competition? Yeah, um, we 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 don't necessarily tailor our beers towards the competitions. I know people that do that. And I think that's that's absolutely a way that you need to to work it. Uh, but for us, it's like a lot of the the beers that we enter end up being lagers. So for the most part, like if you make a beer specific for competition, like what are you going to do to a Hellas? You're going to make it <laughs> make it better. I yeah, don't know. You, yeah. What are you going to do with your Vienna lager? <laughs> but like, you know, we, we, we have we have done things like in the past where like we will like our Vienna lager, we kind of brew in anticipation of the fall. But we know that GABF 
competition um, entries are due in August. So we'll brew it in July and ship it out for August. But then that mm. also coincides with our season season. So we're like we're that's that's kind of the way that we approach it. Um, but I can absolutely see it, especially for hoppy beers. And but uh, you know, it also depends on the like a lot of the breweries that um that do that they might have additional capacity or they're just like yeah if they're specifically brewing for it uh they might just make a special ipa with like more hops or more hop product or do it on a pilot, lines, but, pilot system versus their main yeah, yeah yeah and, and and those are very valid ways to do it i i don't i don't fault anybody for doing that way because it's a commercially sold product you're, yeah. you're Some not, it's you have the same right to brew a one barrel batch as somebody who has a one barrel batch. Uh, you know, that's that's their main system or anything like that. Yeah. Um, with with but, IPAs, they might time it to the day. Like we're going to brew it on this yes. day. So it's yeah. gonna be ideal. <laughs> yep. But then also there's uh, especially with IPAs, because those beers can sit on the uh, like in the warehouse for, you know, two, three weeks. So I know some people who had uh, people that have had success, too, um, in the Seattle area where they will they will package their beers you know, very green. And you're just like, well, mm-hmm. fingers crossed that you know, it falls out and all that. But you see some of the folks that are winning. And um, if that's a strategy they take, it, it, it seems to work very well. So like, I know, especially with the hoppy beers, like the earlier you can package it, the better um, in terms of trying to preserve that hop character. But then you also see that double-edged sword of, well, if it's not fully, if it's not fully done, then you can get those diacetyl bombs in mm. there. And um I was fortunate when I, yeah, when it like judging a GABF, I don't think we had too many. I think it might've been like two or three in a flight of 12 that like, that had a little bit of diacetyl in there. But I've heard instances where you like, especially before all the hop creep talk. They dry hopped in the can. Let's yeah. add one pellet of hops. <laughs> yep. can. Yeah. Sure yep. <laughs> oh, but you got hop creep. Sorry. But, yeah. So, um, but then a lot of times you definitely could pull diastole from that. But I think uh, people have changed their processes on a professional level to to kind of avoid that diastole. But um, you know, when you're in those competitions, like first round, I feel like that's that's pretty easy to uh, you know uh, to quote a great man, the uh, the cream rises rises to the top. But the like you'll you'll notice most of the flaws the, the flaws get uh, knocked out in the first round. So yeah. And, um, you know, so diastole, uh, DMS, uh, uh, but I think the biggest flavor that I noticed that would knock beers out was oxidation. So I think it definitely, it, it definitely harkens back to my comment. Um, you know, there's, there's that the adage where, um, beer competitions are just as much packaging competitions as they are, uh, brewing competitions. And, um, you know, going back to homebrew competitions, I feel like so many of them are, are local and like you're dropping it off at a homebrew store who will keep it cold and then or and they'll ship it immediately to the brewery where they where they host it and they keep it in the cold room so they're 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 kept pretty well but then um once you get to that um regional and national level of NHC but a lot of the professional competitions you're shipping your beers off to you know a couple states away you're shipping it to Denver uh, that's uh, a lot of damage can be done there. So um, yeah. a lot of that gets amplified through the shipping process. And then you don't even account for the process of, of, of holding. So those, those flavors of oxidation that um, like you'll get some of the ones that just come out a little more honey, like a little more sweetness, but then you'll definitely get more uh, oxidated, um, just that papery, or you'll just see that brown hazy IPA come through. You're like, Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this was really good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's two. That's two. That's two knocks against it. You know, or actually three. <laughs> if you were, uh, mm-hmm. um, I wonder how competition, uh, commercial competitions, would differ, or how they would change if they were treated like homebrew competitions, where you had a first round 
and then you have the choice to rebrew it or whatever. You know what I mean? Because competition, commercial competitions are like, he, here's the beer and it's all done and like that's it. It's like basically one. There's you said there's different rounds within the thing, but it's like you ship one set of beer and if you make it, you make it. Right. If you don't, you don't. So I think yeah, GABF takes place over the course of like three weekends now, right? Yeah, yeah. Cool. There's, so. uh, there's three phases. So the first two phases are it's like six days, so three days each, and yeah, so, and. Yeah, uh, and then um, and then like there is one phase right before uh the festival. So uh, that that's the way the layout was this year. So it just it's it's crazy because um yeah I think I don't I don't know if if, uh, if many brewers realize how exhausting judging can be, and <laughs> and when you're doing it that way, I mean you're you're like each phase phase one and phase two were like three days sessions and or three days per. And then you look at your list and you have six, six flights, you know, three in the morning, three in the yeah. afternoon. Yep. We really, um, we work so hard, you know, I don't think that the people out there know it, what they, what we yeah. really go through in this. Like they I, think I, we're just out there like, oh, they just go drink beer together and like, <laughs> yeah. talk shit about it and have fun. Yeah. And it's jovial and fun. And, you know, no, it's mind bendingly difficult. Some well, of it, it, is, it is exhausting because I, I did three days of phase one. Last year, not not this year. And it was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it. I met some great people. I hope I get to do it again sometime. But man, yeah, I, the, on the second day, I was so exhausted. I got on the little shuttle back to the hotel. I had a little bit of food. It was like 6.30 or 7 o'clock. I went to bed. <laughs> I was like, I, yeah. I can't. Do I, I don't want to do anything. And like, no, I'm, I'm no. exhausted. I'm going to bed. I slept for like 11 hours. And got up and did it the next day because I was just that wiped out after. I mean, you're not drunk. And that's the thing. You don't right. drink enough. You drink a lot of beer, but it's spread out a little bit at a time. Six flights, you know, three in the morning, three in the afternoon. By the time that day is over, your body is just exhausted. You're, you're tired. You're, man, yeah. I, you're, you're, I'm, I'm old. I was, some people were like, I'm going to, we're going to go to the, you know, uh, brew works uh, down in, in Denver. And I, oh, <laughs> yeah. God, no, no, I, I, I can't, I can't do that, guys. I, you have a good time. There's it's, no way. It's funny. Like, I'm not going to make it. Walking around GABF, you know, like Friday night, Saturday night, you can tell, well, not Saturday night, I guess, but like Friday night, Thursday night, you can tell the people who have been judging because they're fucking zombies. They're just like <laughs> done. And like, you know, Jamil, you know, he would be doing a lot of judging and Jamil always wears his like, I don't know, his energy level on his face. He's one of those people. And you can tell when that man is tired because he just looks fucked. Like he just, it's the only way to describe it. And it's like, oh, you were judging. Yeah. But you know what? He pushes through and he was out, you know, drinking, at least having a beer because he's a very social guy. But it's like yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And judging is difficult and it is weird. The only time I ever uh, judged uh, the Sam Adams long shot one year is like right after I got my, you know, certificate or whatever, my recognition, my recognition. I was recognized, whatever. Um, I got <laughs> I invited to do that. Thing. I yeah. see you. And, uh, you know, you show up and it was in Oakland. I'm like, okay, cool. We go we get the 12 rounds of whatever the fuck long shot. I was like, okay, cool. And you and I think it was at that point it was mixed, so there was no like specific category. Can't remember. And I'm like, oh man. And then we broke for lunch, and I was like, all right, cool, that was awesome. Thanks, guys, I really appreciate it. They're like, well, yeah, that's cool. The second round will start in like an hour. I'm like, but wait, there's what do you more. Mean? What do you mean the second round? I no one. That's why, like, I had to, I had to go. Like, I had something to do. I was like, I can't, I can't stay. I was fucking tired. Twelve beers. I was done. Yep. yep. I felt like an asshole. Yeah. It's back, so but. physically and mentally taxing. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, I've never judged a commercial 
competition of that scale. I've judged commercial comps before, but not not GABF or uh, or any of the other really big ones. But um, the year that we did NHC homebrew competition, all you know, both rounds all in one over the course of three days of judging. And it was brutal. Like there were morning and middle day and afternoon, uh, you know, almost evening. <laughs> it was like all day and then all day the next day and then all day the third day. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I, and at some points I just wanted to give up and leave the room. And I'm like, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to these entrants because my palate is completely blown. But it, it's like you say, there is some luck of the draw of, you know, what comes earlier and is good versus what comes later and is really good. I can't tell if this is really good anymore. Mm-hmm. I get done with all of that. And I'm like, oh, good. I can finally go to a talk. So I went to a talk my buddy's friend was doing. And I'm in there and my cell phone buzzes. Then it's the, it's Bruce Berger. And he's like, oh, I meant to ask you earlier, but do you want to do the best of show? <laughs> <laughs> I've never, and I've never judged NHC, NHC best of show before. So I'm like, it was an honor. Well, you, have to, you have to do that. Yeah. 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 I had a you know, a 30 minute break. And I, I'll be right there. So, you know, wandered back over and, and there was a little bit of time in between and we reset and did the 34 beers or whatever it was, but it was just like, wow, that I felt like I went through a marathon and well, I don't, you know, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's, it still was fun, but it's, it is a challenge and you want to, you know, a well-organized competition is not going to do a disservice to the comp, to the entrant where you, you know, keep those flights smaller have breaks built in. And like Brian was saying, you drink a lot of beer, but it's spread over a long time and you, and it's yeah. small samples. So, well, I think that's why we always <laughs> hammer home the point of become a beer judge. Like there's yep. always a need yeah. for beer judges. So things like yes. this don't happen because that is the worst part, you know? And like when I was doing the, uh, the, the, the more beer comp, the homebrew comp, I was trying to get more judges than we need because number one, I didn't want to be there for too long, but also like, cause I, I knew how it felt. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to sit and force 15, 16 beers down people's throats. You know what I mean? I want, if you have six in a flight, that's what I, that's my goal. Cause I want, cause it, it is, it is hard. It is taxing. And I mean, even doing this show by the, like the fourth beer, you're like, oh man, I, what am I really tasting? I have no idea. And luckily I'm not like doing a score sheet, which is why I think uh, the Bryans do sheets beforehand. Yeah. Get it out of the way. So, you know, yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, then competition. We can kind of talk a little more about it, have a little fun. Yeah. And we're not just trying to do the, all the work of, perception while we're on the on the on air which that's not great radio either right it's not great podcasting if we're kind of sitting there thinking huh uh and writing (laughs) stuff down that's that's people are going to tune that out right away yeah right well and and very what you were saying about about it being more uh, not more but uh just as much uh, or just as important as a packaging uh, competition as a as yeah. a beer competition is that the number one takeaway that you can kind of give people like commercial or homebrew like you can have a an okay beer but your packaging has to be on par because that could potentially push a an okay beer you know through yep it it'll definitely boot you off in the first if not second round depending on the on the category but it's it's kind of amazing at how how nitpicky you can actually get when you have a flight of very good beers that you know like if you're having individual beers you're like okay this is a good beer this is a good beer this is a good beer but then once you have you you know you narrow it down to like eight beers that are all that have make it to second or third round of a competition they're all good beers and then like at that point you're 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 nitpicking details and you know you're 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 getting at bitterness like fine like you're you're getting at the fine points of the bitterness like is it a smooth bitterness? Is it a harsh bitterness? Like you, you definitely start comparing astringencies. You start, and I think that's a, where a lot of our comments will come from is 
esters, like you'll mm-hmm. like whether they're appropriate or not, like they start popping once you get to those later rounds, and yeah, uh, that that can make or break your beer. But then, but it also depends on the flight of judges that you, you know, not just the beers, but the flight of judges that you have, and um, what are they going to focus on? If there's a judge who wants to bring out something, and then everybody starts focusing on that one specific uh, character of a beer or in the entire flight, like if some like for me, I'd probably get annoyingly like tonight I'd be talking about esters and what are you getting? What are you getting? What are you getting? <laughs> Red apple then, skin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They start that there. You can, um, but somebody <laughs> might be super obsessed about mouthfeel or like astringency and like, yeah. like what's husky and what's astringent and what's grainy. And, you know, so it, it yeah. a lot of it can depend on how the conversation gets steered in a flight too, but it's, yeah. it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Once, once you, once you like eliminate those beers that, you know, poorly packaged, like oxidation, I've, I've, I've learned to get pretty good at where you can just like, no, it's sweet and it's muddy oxidized. And yeah. that, that's an easy kick out. Yep. Um, or just say like, it doesn't advance to the next round, but you know, it's like, I know that there's a good beer under there. And like, so like that always makes it on my comments. Like if it's worthy, like it sounds like, it seems like a poorly packaged beer, really the quality, the beer itself tastes pretty good. But um, yeah, there's just like, once, like once you just have this, like once you get a set silo or not silo, but like a very focused filtered set of beers, like everything starts popping and there's definitely a good bit of luck, but that's when you're hard referencing those style guidelines to you're like, does this fit the guidelines? Does this fit this, this, this? And then also what we talked about earlier is will it make it onto the next, like how will it do in the next round? So Mm. everybody might have a favorite beer, but is like, if the beer's out of style, like will it get booted out in the next round too? Yeah, so sometimes you get like the competition. Yeah. A, a beer that really wows you and it's really interesting. And it's like, oh, wow, it's like got this wonderful tropical, but also diesel-y, you know, hop character to it. And then the other judge is like, I just can't stand diesel. I hate it. And <laughs> I'm just like, I, you know, and everybody perceives things differently. So you got to think, yeah. okay, what's going to, is my like love for this beer that, you know, comes across as tropical with a little diesel going to. You know, when it gets to the next round, it tastes like a, a, a can of diesel fuel to the next round of judges. <laughs> is it going to really go on? I have to let it go. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. This is the beer that yeah. Mad Max drink. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're talking about yeah. packaging. It's like, I, I don't golf, but my dad loves to use my dad's a golfer. He's golf for 40, 50 years. He, he 80 plus years old. He still goes once a week. And yeah. he always would say a thing that stuck with me, which is, you drive for show and you putt for dough, which is the driving is the, the drive is the showy part. It's the fun part. Like, yeah. ooh, I hit this ball super far and I got it close. But what makes you win tournaments and games and stuff is getting that last bit it's from your, your drive yeah, into the hole. Yeah. And it's it's not the most fun part. It's probably the least fun part is putting because that's the part that's easy to fuck up and it's easy to to not get in the hole and to mess up. But that's kind of like packaging. It's not the most fun part. You know, the showy part is making a mm. beer that tastes great. Mm-hmm. Right. The the part that's not showy, but the part that gets you to win, whether it's a competi- beer competition or a golf game or whatever, is that last bit that isn't fun, uh, that's hard to do, but it gets you there. Well, but yeah. also the finesse of like taking a, a, something like a, a Munich Palace, uh, you know, and dialing it in, getting the finesse right. Uh, like exactly. Really, really excellent Munich Palace versus just, a very good, you know, ac- you know, excellent Munich Palace. Like, 
take, how do you take it to yep. world class? And how do you keep it fresh in the packaging so it presents yep. well there at the judge's table? Yeah. And that's like world, world class is you have to do every aspect of it right, right? To, to win yeah. something huge like GABF and to be, to be world class, you got to have great recipes. You got to have great brewing process. You have to have great packaging process. All of that has to fire on all cylinders. And there's not really, I mean, in my mind, there's not really a magic bullet. You know, it's, you have to do at least, you have to do at least good on all those things. And the better you can do on all those things, the more likely you're going to be to win. It's just, yeah. you got to execute as best as you can on everything. I mean, think about how many beers we've had on this show that fail in packaging for one reason or another, yeah. undercarbonated. All um, the time. You know, oxidation. But I think a lot of the time it's it's funny, like doing this over, I don't know what, Cooper, 10 years. Yeah, this is we're finishing out our 10th year. Started yeah. in 2013. Beers have gotten so much better over time. And, you know, before yeah. I'd be like, oh, it's oxidation or it's, it's just weird, the bottle funk or whatever. But now I think the most constant package packaging error is just carbonation, which is because, great. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about it constantly way, on the show. Yeah. All, all the time. I'd say at least once every two episodes, maybe uh, if we don't do it there, that's it's we talk about carbonation constantly. Yeah, absolutely. It's important. Um, let's 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 wrap this up real quick. I want to take a break. I want to come back. And, and while we wrap the show, I want to talk about this Italian Pilsner we're drinking from Lucky Envelope. So hang on, everyone. It's a set. Uh, it's a set. Jesus Christ. It's Dr. <laughs> Homebrew. It's not the session at all. No, uh, you can tell because it's only an hour. So hang on, everyone. We'll be right back. Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up, you might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. The leader in affordable, high-quality kegerators is here. Introducing Comos, the kegerator designed with serious beer drinkers in mind. It features an all-stainless steel draft tower, a major upgrade over traditional chrome-plated brass towers, and Comos keeps your new tower cold with their air-cooled tower fan, wrapping your beer lines in frigid coolness. Your beer is poured from innovative forward-sealing faucets that don't leak, so they stay cleaner for longer. Dual gas inlets on the rear of the fridge allow you to run both CO2 and nitrogen gas. Serve your beer with CO2, serve your kegged wine, or even cocktails with nitrogen. The digital temperature display has the largest range available, allowing you to use the Comos Kegerator for fermentation if you need to. And now Comos Kegerators ship with duo-tight draft fittings for that click-to-connect assembly we've all dreamed of. Buy direct from ComosDraft.com and receive free shipping on your order. That's K-O-M-O-S-Draft.com. I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're going to have to pour you out. Back to Dr. Homebrew.
Thanks for sticking around, everybody. I appreciate it. Uh, we're wrapping up here with Barry from Lucky Envelope Brewing in Seattle, Washington. And uh, throughout this whole conversation, we've been drinking the Italian Pilsner. Barry, what's up with this beer, man? I like it a lot. It's very clean, very... Uh, see, I think basic is too... It's not correct, but I, I guess in terms of uh, of a pilsner, maybe it's maybe it's right. I don't know. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a beer we've done several versions of, but uh, our Italian pilsner. I mean, that's kind of one of the one of the new hot styles that have yeah. come out in the last few years. But and I really love it. Um, but the best way I've heard it described is uh, it's a it's effectively a German pilsner with Italian flair, and kind of the the simplified version of it is it's effect it's a it's a dry hopped german pilsner mm. but um mm-hmm. i think it, it's definitely a i find it to be a style which um requires a little bit of finesse and more restraint especially in the dry hop but um you know breweries being breweries in the united states i think they go a little heavy which i don't think it's bad <laughs> but um first pers- but i think i think if when when you start hopping at you know one to two pounds a barrel for an italian pilsner i think it creeps into that west coast pilsner category versus the uh the italian pilsner which is a little more in my opinion, and uh, you know, if you taste uh, uh, Birrificos, uh, 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 their Italian Pilsner, um, you know, it's it's definitely a little more delicate of a beer, but mm-hmm. it's it's very simple in terms of how we approach it, and it's um, you know, uh, it's all uh, Weirman Ericlea malt, which is their Italian grown um, barley, and um, we just uh, we do uh, it's about thirty IBU, but um, you know, we do a, a light first wort hop in there about a pound and a half or 15 barrels uh we'll do uh, a three pound 60 minute edition of uh, german magnum and then a a whirlpool like a four pound whirlpool of hollertau herzbrucker but you can use any continental um hop for that and then we do like half a pound per barrel of a dry hop so it's um you know it's a very very light but um you know i think the especially with when you use continental noble hops they 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 carry in a very different manner when you use it in low levels versus higher. That um, is such. I mean, this beer is almost fucking water. It's almost clear. Like the color. Strong. What is that? Like half an SRM. <laughs> yeah. That is. Yeah. I've never genuinely never seen a beer that has this much body and this much character. It's almost six percent. Be yeah. this like yeah. I don't know, man. It's I like five percent. Yeah. You can't read. It's too dark in your room. It's five point oh. Five point like oh. The, the I thought the, of, I thought the slash in the O was yeah. an, like an eight. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> oh, got it. Yeah. It's it's extremely dry. It's got a nice crackery pill small character. Yeah. Alongside a really bright uh like geranium. Like it mm. like it's declared on the can, but I was getting it in spades, like the that floral character, the yep. geraniol is really coming through from those hops. And when you amp them up like that and do it right in the whirlpool, they can play that way. I got a tiny a touch of sulfur in the nose, but it blew off really quick. And um, but yeah, once it gets into the flavors, it's that dry. It's a really drinkable summer beer that you just easily, you know, um, sip a lot of on a hot day. But um, you know, even now, I mean, it's like now, 54 it's, degrees yeah. outside. It's raining here. And um, I this is perfect. It's great. I got a cat on my lap and a, bat, a bladder full of urine. Like this is a this is a perfect night. And it's really well watered. What, what could be better? Despite yeah, being much, fairly man. heavily hopped, it's there's still not a lot to hide behind here. If there was yeah. a, a big flaw in it, it would poke right through. So you know, I think you know the even though the hops are are the showcase here, it's not over hopped, and it, the the malt still does play a part. It does have that nice crackery and a little again a little. Uh, that the the can declares a little honey like might be again the power of suggestion, 
not in an oxidized way, but like a little a little sweetness to it that gives it a little, um, you know, a wider range of malt flavors than you might get in some beers this light. <laughs> it's a really fun beer. Yeah, it's it's really yeah. there's this is such a, a wonderful pilsner in just so many ways, and I just have to agree with everything that Coop just said. I think that um, <laughs> it is, you, you know, it didn't um, throw up a massive head. I guess, you know, sometimes the lighter beers can, the head can fade a little more quickly, mm-hmm. but I think a little more carbonation could help drive it even a little bit more, but um, it's great as it is. So yeah, good job. I love it. Thanks. And yeah. so you were saying uh, earlier that you, you're more of a lager focused brewery. Um, I would like to be more lager focused. <laughs> yes. Um, that's, that's kind of where I, that's where I, I geek out. Um, yeah. Where I like to, go over the top in terms of processes and that's where you know getting that 90 percent there doesn't take uh that much effort it's compared to the last like five ten percent to uh kind of get your beer where it wants to be and i love geeking out on that part with um you know uh, just trying to reduce oxidation on especially on the cold side but um you know just paying attention to, to things like ph and uh and gravities and everything just every step of the process documenting uh, things every step of the way. So I love that. I love the minutia of just trying to, to tweak those loggers where, um, you know, the vast, vast majority of people won't be able to tell it on a day-to-day difference. But when you kind of look at it in big picture, um, you can definitely start noticing trends and kind of seeing where things go. So, yeah. um, you know, do you find, do you take more pleasure in, in, the customers going, hey, I've sort of noticed that this, you know, this lager tastes a little more crackery or whatever, or a fellow brewer or beer judge coming in going, hey, and, and like and like detailing the nuances that sort of reinforce the things that you're doing. Um, Does that make sense? Is that a weird question? A weird ideally, question. both would happen. <laughs> well, right, right, yeah. right. Um, and <clears throat> uh, but I, I feel like we definitely get more uh, more of the uh, constructive uh, feedback or positive feedback from, uh, folks in the industry. I know, I know customers definitely appreciate the beers and, um, especially the ones that come in regularly, they, they will, uh, pick out things here and there and make some small changes. And I think that's super cool. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I guess, it's, when, I, I guess it's harder on the, on the, uh, as a customer, cause you don't want to be, you don't want to sound like a fucking know-it-all, mm-hmm. you know, like I would have a hard time going into a place where I would, you know, be a regular at and going like, Oh, I noticed that the fucking difference of the thing or whatever. And then probably when industry people come in, there's more of a, I don't know, a, a unspoken thing of like, hey, I'm, I need to comment on. So yeah. maybe it's a little skewed. Yeah. Yeah. And it also depends on the relationship that you have. Like, you know, the, I, like if the yeah. customer happens to be a, a, a like a, a beer enthusiast, too, I like I make sure to like let them know kind of like what I did to use, like just tear this beer apart. Like, I want to make it better. I, I need. So like, what kind of feedback do you have? And I do that with, uh, with people, you know, brewers and, um, judges that come through and all that stuff. And, you know, we get, we get people from that visit from around the country, just based on where we are in our neighborhood, but also like October, like September, October is just a wonderful time to meet people from around the country. Cause they're, they're flying into Seattle for hop selection. And then they're oh, just going to go, they'll spend nice. like an afternoon in, in the Ballard neighborhood and visit like all these breweries. And like, you see them, like, it's like a group of three people with the same brewery shirt on, you're like, hey, hop selection here. Do you want to chat? Like, if, if, they, if they have time, if they're not like, if they're not here, like just to cap, cap to, to get a beer before they head to the airport. But, yeah. you know, you can always, you can always find those people and um, you meet That's a lot funny. of awesome folks that way. So yeah, we're anyone super with, lucky. Anyone so, with cargo shorts and sandals. 
That's yeah, basically going to be a brewery. And a, and either a sweatshirt or a, or, or a work shirt, you know, with the brewery <laughs> name on. You're like, hey, <laughs> come on in. Taste this with me. I mean, <laughs> in September, October, you should, you should brew a, a, a beer, a light lager, and just call it, I'm here for hop selection. <laughs> I'm here for the hops. Man. Yeah. Uh, Barry, thanks for taking the time, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Thanks absolutely. for sending the beer. Uh, you know, we still have a hell to drink, and uh, but we'll just drink that for funsies. Um, yeah, this Italian Pilsner is great. I like the Swiss cool. Army beer, despite your brewing uh, collaborators. Yeah, Best efforts to tank it. Um, I think you pulled it out. I think I can oh, really tell that. You. Yeah, no, I really there. appreciate the time. And Brian and Brian and Jason, thank you for just you know, uh, arranging it all and, and, and trying the beers in advance and for the very constructive and, uh, constructive feedback. Oh, <laughs> next time uh, th- there, th- thanks for your time. And thanks for the beer. Yeah. yeah. Taste, taste some of the lagers there at the brewery with you. If we get the chance, yeah. it would be, would be a yeah. lot of fun. So please reach That'll out be great. If, you're, if you're around, please reach out. And, uh, yeah, I'd be happy to show you around and yeah, can give you recommendations and other, other stuff in Seattle. Cool. Don't, don't do that. Yeah. Just the same, just, just lucky envelope. That's it. Barry has a tent in the back. <laughs> yep. You can sleep in this is Airbnb. He rents out. Yep. 200 bucks a night. It's great. Yep. And then just eat at McDonald's. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, if you want to be on the show and be as cool as Barry is currently, go to Brian at the Network.com and whatever email device you choose to use. And uh, he will get you set up. We have uh, openings for whatever fermented products you have. Uh, I also, you know, last show I branched into cocktails. Why not? If you want to send us a canned cocktail, if you're working on canned cocktails, which is a new thing, <laughs> uh, sort of, I don't know. Or send um, us a lager. Sake? Yeah. Sake? Yeah. I like sake. Send some sake. Dude, I had this. I spe- Okay, just real quick. I had this this liquor the other day. I got it for Christmas, actually, for my brother-in-law. I don't know the name of it, but Shar, uh, you just um, you just reminded me. Japanese Bermuto is a, the label. It's very blown out. It uh. is a it is a vermouth, essentially, but made with sake. You can't see it, but made uh. with sake instead of wine. That's really interesting, and then and that makes sense because vermouth is kind of like a spiced wine, right? And if you had you took sake and you put in like some Japanese spices or something, that could be like really cool. It's uh, oh. like uh, then it's spiced with like yuzo, uzo, yuzo, oh. yuzo, not uzo, yuzo, yuzu, yuzu. yuzu there you go. Um, yeah, Bermudo. <laughs> that um, sounds really cool. Certified with local citrus bitters and spices from indigenous herbs. So check that out. I don't know. I don't know what made me think of that, but uh, I'll have to, I'll have to yeah. check it out. I'll be there in February. Yeah, cool. Are you going to Japan in February? Yeah. Dude. Oh, super cool. Nice. Where are you going? Uh, we'll be in Tokyo. Uh, nice. Yeah, 10 days, but all, all in Tokyo just to wander around. All in Tokyo. Uh, that'll I, be I feel awesome. Like that's, I feel like it's not even enough. No, it's not. Right? You know? No. God, you're it's going one of the biggest cities in the world, and there's a billion things to do. I mean, you could probably be in, in Tokyo for a year and not see all there you'd want to see. No. Are you? Uh, do you have breweries planned out? Any any standouts um, you're going to? No, um, we're. This is a family trip, so yeah. that. Uh, but no, well, um, I'm going to go meet with uh, Jason at Devilcraft because he does uh, some of our distribution out there and nice. and all that. But Devilcraft, they make really good beer, and um, you know, this is we we were there in 2022 for uh, I was there for a work oh, trip okay. without the family, but uh, there's a couple breweries that we'll probably hit up. But I think it's mostly going to be eating and just getting, dude. You know, Whatever beer you get at the ramen place. And, oh, like, man. Oh. Forget about wow. it. I, I love I, that. I got I to gotta check out that Bermudo stuff. Um, Bermuda, yeah. yeah, I'll send you the picture of it. it yeah. the, first of all, the label's wild. It's just cool. So but cool. The, yeah, it's such a good... And you can, like, drink it on your own. Like, ver- vermouth, I don't really feel like you can just sip. Yeah. It, it's, it's Some people like a, do. It's not a thing I like to do. No. Well, they're Italians. They're a little... <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like... I like the Greeks. 
Well, yeah, the Greeks are perfect. Are you kidding me? Have you seen our statues? Um, it, it's it's almost like a like a more intense, more more uh, rounded bodied, like a like a citrus vodka kind of thing. I don't know. I'm doing it a disservice, but mm-hmm. I can see it like in an old fashioned. You can drink it straight. Anyway, yeah. whatever. We're gonna get out, everybody. <laughs> Thanks a lot for tuning in. I appreciate it. See, you guys yes. just get a podcast and you can just ramble on to your friends about nothing. Yeah. That's great. Exactly. You trust the bottom of this can. Luigi is the cooler brother. That's kind of oh shit. Great, great little quote there. We're just playing. Uh, yeah. I loved when Super Mario when, Brothers Wonder today with my my kid. Uh, fun on that. Brewer started. Yeah, I started play as Luigi, by the way. So yeah. that around. Oh, you got to man. You got. My to. You daughter know got a switch for Christmas, so I, I got her one. And she's got Mario Kart, so she's got to finish getting that set up and uh, yeah. got to get her uh, all you know, all Marioed up there. Do the shine thief battle. It's the funnest man. <laughs> I learned I learned uh, the other a couple months ago that, uh, you know, people go, oh, it's a me, Mario. <laughs> Apparently, like, like he's not saying it's me, Mario. He's saying it's me, I guess, which is Japanese for super. Huh. So he's been saying super Mario the whole time. But but we but we hear it as it's me. It's a me, Mario. That's how that's I would always hear that. Yeah. But apparently uh-huh. it's like it it's me. Huh. I don't know. The, there you the, go. The more, the more you know. The more you know. All right, everybody. We're <laughs> out of here. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We'll see you. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.